Hello, hello, hello. How are you lovely lot doing? Welcome to the show, Not Another Education Podcast. The podcast where we can't promise you'll learn anything, but if you like great chat, awesome guests, and some fresh perspectives, obviously, then stay put, you are in the right place. Today, we have on the show Russell Winard, who is the COO of Young Enterprise, a fantastic charity that has got absolutely everything to get your kids financially educated. Welcome, Russell. Big warm. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, pleased to be here. Um, we're chatting today with Russell from Young Enterprise. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you. Like, so many teachers will have heard of Young Enterprise. Parents probably will have seen you in the news. I know you work extensively with loads of different financial providers, just basically trying to get kids to be a little bit more financially savvy, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's a national charity. Um, we we work specifically within England and Wales. Um, we license our operations in Northern Ireland and Scotland, and the whole focus is around developing financial capability, but but also some of those um, key skills that young people are going to need in the future. So there's a there's a focus on on sort of enterprise and um, employability as well as financial capability. Yeah, I mean, it's su- it's such a worthwhile thing that, you know, it, it's, it's, I think each teacher would like to think that they try and use so much like financial education in the classroom, but to actually have like a charity completely dedicated to facilitating that as well as those skills that come with it is, is invaluable. So it's, it's a, a, a money pun. Is it a money pun? Because money has value. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think we, we can take it as a money pun. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I've been in that situation. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been a teacher and I, that, that was one of my main reasons for moving into the charitable sector was I, I could see that, that young people had so many misconceptions around money when I was teaching. And I just couldn't address it as much as I would have liked to have addressed it. And, and actually, the subject I taught was science, uh, as well as some financial studies, but I, I would see it in science. And you, you don't have the the time or the capacity in in yeah you know, in science teaching science to stop and address some of those misconceptions. So for me, there was a there was an issue there around young people understanding money, learning about money, wanting to learn about money, but not necessarily receiving that financial education, which that, that spurred me into um, working within charitable sector to, to do just that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so it's so incredible that you used to be a teacher. I feel like more people I speak to, like, oh, yeah, I used to be a teacher. And I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. But I mean, you, 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 you were, so you were science and you were also kind of heading up financial education at your school, right? Correct. Yes. So I, I went in as a, as a science teacher, but um, I, I had some accountancy experience. So as soon as we, we looked at this new financial education qualification, um, I, I got pounced on. As, as every, anyone in teaching knows, uh, if you have any sort of skills out, outside of your subject area and it gets found out, oh you gosh, will be used yeah. for certain things. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's a sad thing, isn't it? The more and more people you speak to say they were an ex-teacher, it's a, it's it's a really tough job, and and I take my hat off to teachers for the last couple of years because it's been just super tough. 
Um, but but hopefully we're getting back to a, a semblance of normality now, and we can begin to focus on on some of those really really uh, important areas, that kind of personal development which young people have missed out on for a couple of years. And, and financial education is a small part of that. I know there's there's a lot more that goes with that, but for me. Um, the academic is really important. We know it's important that young people achieve academically as well as they can. But I, I think there's an equal and opposite side to that, which is that that personal development, understanding oneself, understanding your your, your skills and developing your mindset. And, and and money plays a part in that. And, and that's that's for me is all part of, of what an, a good education is about, um, enabling young people to leave having achieved the best that they can, but but also being able to navigate life and the challenges that life is going to throw at us. That that that's what we all should be aiming for, in my opinion. Yeah, that that point that you kind of make about children missing out during the pandemic, I mean, it's it's said so much in the news anyway. So we don't we don't have to like talk about it so much, but I do feel like coming back into it a lot of the focus is essentially on just get them where they used to be get them where they used to be but really what we forget to realize is that well they've lived this whole different world for like a year so they need to to rehash these skills that maybe were in early development or maybe some children didn't have that and you know it it it's been quite a, a difficult situation and I think one thing that young enterprise does is you know you're, you're pushing forward you're like pushing the boundaries on what children can do in terms of finance and capabilities within that but also you know that the, the well-being aspect of that is is immense I mean we, we were talking last week weren't we about how it stems from like so much of like the well-being and it, it, it just it just says says volumes doesn't it how when we're talking about in the news at the moment, like the cost of living and how families are suffering and struggling. I'm sorry, I have a puppy here who's decided to bustle <laughs> in some stuff that he shouldn't be in. Yeah, he's gone now. He's gone to go he's, cause he's trouble He's too interested, else. too interested in our conversation that he's come to join in. <laughs> That's it. He, he wants to find out how he can be financially independent to buy all the bones and stuff he wants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But the, <laughs> the, the point being is that so many people during the pandemic suffered financially and mentally. And then it's almost incredible that we can kind of come back stronger, right? And, and you know, better and think about how we can build those links. And I find it incredibly interesting how the, the well-being side does play into to finance a lot. Oh, it's, it's, it's really important. In, in fact, you know, uh, we... we Finance often gets associated with being numerate or, or, or mathematics, and that that's there is an element of that. But but most of the time, we we don't make our financial decisions purely based on uh, the the maths or the numbers. Yeah, you know, we we do it with our heart. We do it because we have certain values or ethics, and that that for me is a, a really important part of financial education is not necessarily um the the numeracy part which is important but but it's understanding what 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 your values what your beliefs are that your needs and your wants and i think that that is all part of well-being 
Um, if if you're able to to understand that about yourself and and how you're making decisions, that that contributes to to well being. And I, I was just going to add one of the things you mentioned the the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic and and a direct link to young people and their understanding of money is what we saw over the course of the last two years is a, a shift that was already happening to to a more cashless society just skyrocketing and sure, yeah. suddenly the use of cash just fell away and 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 some retailers just weren't accepting cash it was it, it's card only Mad and, and, that, and, isn't it and you think it, back yeah oh it, it is and we switch so quickly and and for for very young people um, I'm talking, you know, two, three-year-olds who are learning through observation. They're at that really formative age where they're, they're, they're absorbing everything in, but they're doing it just through watching and learning. That's a really difficult concept for them to grasp that you've just gone and done your weekly shop. You've filled your trolley up and, and you've, you, you've tapped a card on something and walked out. I mean, that, that's, that's odd and, and it's not the reality. So, so this move to cashless has caused just a little bit of a challenge around how do we how do we approach that that observational learning and and, and readdress it because that's not what happen, is happening. You know, mum or dad or, or carer, then they're not tapping the card and just walking out. There is a transaction happening. There is money moving, but it's just really hard to see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, perfect example. Of this is like my little one, Charlie. He, he, he like I've, I've got like cards. I have like two debit cards, and ones for shopping, and ones for like my own personal bills. And that's always kind of worked for me. And he obviously sees me, you know, tapping these cards using them all the time so he decides like in Lidl they have these little baby trolleys that you can yeah. like wheel around which I mean I'm still gonna gripe the fact that you have to pay a pound for each trolley I'm not being cheap but I never have two pound coins on me <laughs> so I get really like annoyed about it but it's fine whatever and then he he wants to like pay for the stuff in his bag and all that I have in my um in like my little wallet is like loyalty cards but he's like quite happy with that he doesn't, you know, quite understand. And, and we bought him like a like a toy shop and stuff so he can like play shop and, you know, exchange like the actual currency. But I also worry that this whole contactless thing plays into the, we don't understand the, the, the value of money and therefore we're more inclined to think with our hearts. And so it's like, you know, when it's perfect example, right? So when you're Christmas shopping, you know, everyone tries to be real sensible. Everyone's like, you know, there's a budget, there's a budget. And then you get to like the 20th, maybe 16th, 20th December, and people just go mad. Like, yep. and it doesn't matter how many times you tap that card. And then every like 10 asks you to enter your pin, which is like, oh, so annoying. It's like, that's the most inconvenient <laughs> thing we, we come up against, isn't it, with that? But, you know, it, it, it it's essentially, you, you just, and then when you, when you get your statement, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe how much I spent because it almost doesn't feel real. And I wonder whether those people who are financially vulnerable anyway, it's almost like they don't have to think about it because if they were given a hundred quid, they probably would, you know, in cash, they probably would think about it a little bit more because you can literally see it depleting every time you spend. Exactly. And it's, it's that value of money piece, which I think 
cash cashless removes one of those psychological barriers to spending you know you you it's remember a conspiracy. when it's a yeah. <laughs> well, conspiracy to get us to spend more well when 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 you i remember when i was younger and, and i maybe got got a a five pound note um maybe maybe it was my birthday or something and i'd have this crisp five pound note now there was no way i was going to go and break into that crisp five pound note just for uh, a, a really small i don't know 20 pence sweet. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do it because that, that, it. That, that's, that's a, that's a nice crisp five pound note. I suppose yeah. this, this is shared my age, but that, that was a long time ago. I suppose the equivalent now is sort of a, a nice crisp 20 pound or 50 pound note, but you, you, you just wouldn't break into something like that for a very yeah. small purchase. Yet we've become so accustomed now to just tapping a card for even even 50p chewing gum yeah tap the card tap the card and it it is more difficult for you to do that reconciliation in your head of right how much do i have left that's that you might not know whereas if it's in your pocket you you can put your hand in your pocket or your purse and you can have a look and you can see how much you've got it's i'm not i'm not against moving to cashless but i think what we we have to find a way for young people of understanding that there is a there is a money transfer going on yeah we we need to be open we need to talk about that to to young people and talking about money it sounds really easy but the reality is that so many people find it uncomfortable for various reasons and and i think sometimes it's not fully understanding that transactional process itself anyway because it it can get really quite complicated what's what's going on so it, it it's finding those ways to communicate that to young people and to 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 just change that attitude of oh you just tap the card to that that is money and it is money going from mum dad's account into the store's accounts but I, I just can't see that money. Um, yeah, but then it's a how? Difficult or, concept. Of course, and then the 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 whole foundation of this is how does it get there in the first place? Because yeah. that that's the whole point. And I I remember when when I first went to university, and the one of the most dangerous things I will I will stick by this is just how easily they hand over money to people who fresh from home they've never lived alone they don't know how much a meal costs they aren't used to eating out every night and then you embrace this kind of you know alternative lifestyle where you can go to a bank and they'll happily give you two thousand pound in an overdraft but then actually obviously they give you terms and conditions because the banks have the responsibility to do so but you know nobody actually says by the way that's not your money that's you will owe this back and there will be repercussions please bear with us while we're having some technical difficulties but while you're sat there why not check out the twinkle store we've got loads of awesome twinkle merch that we know you'd love to get your hands on Have you got any any technical? <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think my my office is outside in the garden, and I've got a kind of extender to it. Nice. But um, it seems to be playing up this morning, so I've come in the house so that uh, hopefully we've got a better connection. Oh my gosh, I'd love to have an office in my garden. All we have <laughs> is um, a husband's tool shed, and when I say tool shed, I mean it is it is extreme. 
like before was burning under the weight like he he has a lot in there um it's like his little workshop but yeah he's uh we haven't got a big garden so that's all he gets to have he used to be in the utility room when we first moved and that had to quickly end because it was just ridiculous (laughs) well mine sounds grand out in the garden but it's uh it's half of the garage that we converted years ago and um i've I've recently stolen it back from my daughter because she went to uni um she nicked it as a bedroom (laughs) nice uh, Nice. I've got it back. Very American, very American, like living in your like family's garage when you're like <laughs> kind of late teens. <laughs> yep, yep, that's it. <laughs> and uh, the next one's got her eye on it, so uh, I might not have it for long. Sounds like a pretty sweet setup if if people are willing to live in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I, I mean, I wouldn't live in in the garages. I mean, I, we don't have one, but my parents have one, and it is just literally full of crap. So I wouldn't <laughs> um, I'm so sorry about about that. I'm trying to think what we were talking about. We were talking about um, oh yeah, so picking up about you know go, going to university, which is actually quite relevant for you right now. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, kind of I, I ended up right with two different student accounts: one with a two thousand pound overdraft, one with a sixteen hundred pound overdraft. And I also had a job which paid me cash in hand. So things things spiral quickly. I would go on my dinner hour and literally spend like hundreds of pounds and not even think about it. And not even, and then it was like when I left university, it was like every time you get paid, it you know repays that overdraft. But then it's like, you don't actually ever think that that's not, you don't, I, I guess what I'm saying is that you don't ever think that that is not your money, if that makes sense, until you have to start paying it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's part of ha- habit formation and behaviours. I think are a really part important part of um, being financially capable. And interestingly, those those habits they they begin begin forming from a really early age. So so the evidence tells us that by the age of seven you have formed quite a lot of your your habits towards money that will stay with you for life and and I think that that kind of understanding of of value um, and the way that money makes you feel and and the way you behave with money um, that stems right back to to those those early years and the kind of influences that that as a young person you've had around you um and, and that's why for, for us that's why it's so important that financial education begins as early as possible you know we we should in primary schools be be looking at at financial education and learning um and there's a the the, the program our flagship program for that money heroes is all about em- embedding financial education into primary but that's so that we've got young people moving into secondary, moving into university, and and they've they've got that understanding and knowledge, but they've they've also formed those habits and behaviours around money, where where you know, maybe they are thinking about it differently, maybe they are understanding that it's not their money and they're managing it a little bit more effectively. But it's it's fascinating how from such an early age those habits are 
are pretty much embedded and it's quite difficult to change them once they're embedded and they've 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 been influenced by i suppose households um and 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 how money is considered within the environment they've grown up in that's such an interesting point so me and my husband come from like really different backgrounds in that sense so his family grew up multiple parents multiple jobs um they had three kids under three at one point so i think nappies were costing more than a mortgage so i think i think money was you know not something to be thrown about my, my family were just ridiculous with money um you know they, they they lost a lot of money they earned it lost it kind of in this cycle so i was quite aware of that but also aware of like these spouts of luxury so you become mm-hmm. accustomed to like three or four holidays a year, like long holidays. You become accustomed to, you know, having the newest toy and that sort of thing. And it, it kind of talking to you, Russell, it, it, I think it's a fine line because if you, in your household, if, you, if there's two of you and you have very different views on money and not necessarily the value of it, but how exactly it should should be spent. So one person wants to do a renovation, one person wants to go on holiday, let's say. So it's like, where do you put that money? Like, what, what exactly do you invest in? And then you get some families who, of course are on the breadline that there's a there's so many in our country at the moment isn't there that all their kids will will see is just constant arguing about money which i also think can cause a lot of stress and anxiety for the child so it's finding that balance between um we're really comfortable child a and we're, we're you know we can afford to do all this stuff but they're, they're them just becoming accustomed to that but then also you know the stress that being under financial pressure can cause so being in the middle and I think you've all been there as parents you go to a shop and it's like every shop you go to it's like they want a toy and saying no is like the worst thing ever (laughs) um it's like you know you kind of do it to sit to save your own bacon don't you in that sense (laughs) yeah it's it's it's, it's hard isn't it that it, it is it is really hard and and I think like many things when it comes to money and finance, there's there's not necessarily a, a right or a wrong. We, it's 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 usually somewhere in the middle, uh, which isn't it's not that helpful because it, it leaves you in that grey area where you have to make a choice. And to always say no um, probably doesn't feel right. To always say yes, we know isn't quite right. So you've you've got to come to some sort of decision in the middle, and I, I just think that applies across many areas of money and finance. The, you know, people will classify debt as good debt and bad debt, um, just as an example. And and we hear those terms all of the time, and I absolutely understand them, and I, I, I acknowledge that um, borrowing money when you can't afford it for things, you know, particularly things that are not going to bring any income into you, like maybe uh, borrowing to go on holiday, that, that would be classified as bad debt. I understand that. However, let's take the last two years where people have had a horrendous time, mental health possibly an issue, um, lack of family time or positive family time an issue. Yeah. You, you begin to look at that scenario and, and, and then you do question a little bit, well, is it is it a bad debt? Um, it, it's not quite as black and white. 
because there, sure. there, there can be other factors that, that influence. I mean, certainly you shouldn't be borrowing if you cannot afford to repay it and you, you, you don't know how you would repay it. That, that, that wouldn't be a good idea. But um, if it's going to allow you to do something that you couldn't afford and you, you can see that there is a way to repay that, um, even if it even if that borrowing's not going to bring you any financial reward, if it can bring you some some mental health rewards, some family time reward, then I, I think there's a finer line there. Yeah, it's it's so difficult, and people with different priorities and different needs, and it's. It, I think I think the last two years have complicated things massively. And it's interesting to kind of hear your your take on it because I imagine that some of the stuff that young enterprise are producing, it's almost like you're having to tailor it to, I mean, obviously the foundations are still there, but I'd imagine that you're having to tailor it to, you know, children. I mean, we, we were talking, weren't we, like last week about the, the rise of like, you know, digital currency and cryptocurrency and how how there's now a need for that. And I mean, two years ago in 2019, I mean, obviously it existed, but I, I can't imagine people being that interested in it unless you were kind of the person who was um, in Black Mirror land. But you know, <laughs> yeah. it feels like everybody now has got like some crypto, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it's, it, it really has come on very, very fast that. And, and this is the thing with, with money and finances, things, things change, things change all of the time. And, and so there's, there's, there's always a, a new focus. Um, crypt, crypto is, is one of them. It's for, for whatever re well, no, I, I think I know the reason. And that's because crypto, it gets promoted quite widely on social media and it gets promoted in quite a false way so it promotes all of the positive aspects i.e um make money fast but it, it, it never really touches on the fact that um the the equal and opposite can happen lose money fast too so i, I think for young people there is this fascination with crypto because it's always um promoted to them as a get rich quick scheme um we we hear from so many teachers that that young people in school i'm talking secondary schools here but young young people in school uh, are, are are trading crypto they have uh, wallets on their phones um and they are they they're trading oh, crypto it it is and there's a, there's a worry about it but it, it, i mean essentially it's it's verging on gambling and 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 that is a real concern and there, and there are real challenges around gambling um loot boxes that some of your listeners may be aware of loot boxes are these. Oh, I was um, going to say, what 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 is that? It sounds like a game gaming thing. It is it is a gaming thing, yeah. So um, you know, any 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 of these consoles, uh, the, the, some of the games, you have an opportunity to to spend money, and this is real money. Although, as we've said before, it's 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 not the stuff you hold in your hand; it's stuff that you send digitally. But you can spend real money on a mystery box now the mystery box it might give you um uh, one of the best football players in the world it might give you a, a piece of equipment that you desperately need to, to to advance in the game but it might give you nothing more than um some, something that's quite useless and and there's there's some high value to these loot boxes and and, and young people are, are gambling 
it is gambling on that's on so scary like i can imagine younger kids doing that too like you know yeah. the Fortnite generation you know and, and and that word you used need that's how they see it right it's not like yep. oh, that'd be cool to have it's no i need this which is worrying isn't it it, it absolutely is. I mean, it's one of one of the first principles of financial education is is wants and needs, and uh, and gambling on whatever form it is, it's it skews our thinking around wants and needs. To to we we need this, and it's it's you know, it's not true. We don't need it, but it's very very cleverly done, and there's there's quite a problem. With I think there are over fifty thousand recognised young people gamblers currently in the UK, which is a yeah, it's a huge number for for young oh, people who yeah, shouldn't be is. able to access gambling facilities. Um, and then you've got other other issues which have have, have really risen in the last few years. Um, things like money muling, where um, gangs are using young people to launder dirty cash so so they will they will put money that has been gained through drug dealing let's say they will put that into a young person's bank account and 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 get them to to look after it and and take it out when they need it so that it's it's not associated to them and moving that money around and a lot of the time the young people who are identified for money muling they're they're very vulnerable young people um there've been a number of young people from within the care system that have been targeted and they don't really fully understand the implications of what they're doing until they're caught and 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 yeah yeah yeah, it's like look after this money for us and they think they're doing like favor they think they're winning influence and that sort of thing, and it, it is sadly, like you say, the most vulnerable members of of society, and you know, ch- you know, children being used for that. I mean, I've never heard of that, and I've worked with really vulnerable children, but not for a number of years. So, I mean, that that to me is like just insane. Money and we talk, we, we talk money oh. muling. Yep, um, it's it's a, it's a growing issue. It, we we can be talking young people as as young as 11 12 13 um who who you know you you couldn't expect them to fully understand the the implications of what they're doing and the gangs will usually offer them maybe um whatever we put into your account you can keep 5% of it um and 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 there's the incentive and and you can yeah. see why from a very young person that's quite appealing well, they're getting paid to essentially be a launder, aren't they? Yeah, they're that's the exactly what that it the, is. That the the other party can't afford to launder it through. I've been watching yep. Ozark, so <laughs> <laughs> my mind's kind of in that at the moment. But I mean, I I I I wonder where the mentality comes from that, and I I, I almost be I'm almost inclined to think social media plays such a big part in that. You know, fast life, fast culture, all these influencers who are showing off like designer stuff. Like, you know, I, I I didn't have that as a kid. I don't think many people really did because you're climbing trees and you were scuffing trainers. And I feel like a little bit, I don't know, a little bit of a wet wipe for saying that. But at the same time, it, it's like to me, that's what being a kid is about. 
not not having all this stuff and obviously there were magazines and there was mainstream media when I was a kid um but it's very different isn't it because the influencer culture like it makes it seem like oh this person is just like you and now they have all this which I think kind of makes you think how do I then get that and this is it's like they just want more and more and more that's that's right understand why they why they want it they just want it yeah i mean it's social media there there are some real benefits to social media but there are there are some huge negatives Uh, i mean a lot of the schools that uh i I still uh work with and and speak to you know one of their biggest challenges are uh, fallouts and arguments that all happen over social media they're all they're all outside of school time but the school has to pick it up but but outside of that i think it a lot of a lot of what is presented on social media it's 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 not quite real it's no it's it's, it's the best odd, bits it? it's yeah, yeah it's it, it's the, the yeah it's the end of big brother it's sort of 20 second uh <laughs> vt it it, it literally argument. is the best bit yeah <laughs> and people don't show all the grotty bits of their life because they, yeah why would you why would you share the the bog standard boring bits i mean you don't you just share the the the, the real peak bits and then sometimes it, even even that's quite fake and, and it it doesn't help because to your to your point young people are, are seeing things which they they think are relatable to themselves and they 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 think should be inspirational aspirational and and, and actually if if what they're seeing has been built on a lie um that's that's not helping them i think there are some really great role models out there on social media too so we 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 mustn't tarnish everybody with the same brush (laughs) exactly exactly no i've I've worked with um i've worked with a a absolutely amazing tiktok influencer who is um by by trade she's a, a mortgage advisor and she she produces tiktoks that are all about financial education i mean they're 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 spot on there's no misinformation there it's 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 absolutely by the book but it's done in a way that is engaging to young people um and it's fun and it's short and it's snappy and it's it's loud um so that there is a positive side but we we just have to be wary of the level of misinformation that there is on social media and how how influential that can be for for young people yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I watched last night, I'm a bit late to the game, I guess, but the Tinder Swindler, have you seen that? On- I've not, no. I've, I have seen it oh advertised, but I haven't watched it it's, yet. It's insane, and it is literally like what, what we were just talking about. I mean, th- this person essentially presents that he is the son of this um, that, th- this family from the Ukraine who own you know diamond mines and it doesn't really go into whether the diamonds are sustainable or not the point is is that this guy's nickname is the prince of diamonds so for a lot of people that's a very attractive concept because when they look on his social media he's on private jets in the best hotels eating the best food best clothes so that's like that's why i say it feels like a lifestyle that the mass market want. It's not the lifestyle I want because I, I make a conscious effort to not share actually anything on my personal social media. Like people I haven't spoke to in school would not know that I have a child. I actually spoke to someone I went to um, school with in America and she was 
she was like, oh, you have this secret child. I'm like, he's not a secret. <laughs> All my close friends and family know he exists. I was like, but I, I don't, he, he hasn't given me consent to put him on social media. So I don't feel comfortable with that. Yep. But, you know, I know some parents would, would want their children all over it because it's you know a document of their life. It's a personal mm-hmm. choice. But, you, you know, I, I, I make almost like a I don't want people knowing the every ins and out of my life because also I don't really feel like I fit into what is interesting. And then if you do share a bit of yourself, I think like mentally you put yourself out there. But yep. scrutiny, if you if you if you get what I mean, like you're looking for those likes, you're looking for those shares, and I just don't think. Well, for me and probably a lot of people, that's all that healthy because we don't we don't live on private jets. Most people don't. We don't, you know, kind of the influencer culture that you see, that shiny, you know, mass market culture, isn't isn't the reality. And when people post stuff like that what it says to me is, oh, that person must live in Dubai or that person must drive this car. And that's, yep. that's really the trick of it. But the, the Tinder swindler, he basically scammed, you know, about a number of women. They didn't even know how many. And by the way, he, I won't spoil the end of it, but <laughs> he, he, it, it's just insane what, what he ends up getting away with. But he, he, he scams them out of like millions of dollars. And wow. like these women are being asked, he's like telling them that he's in trouble and he needs $30,000. So they take out loans. They take out all these loans, all these credit cards in his name. He's defrauding them on a day-to-day basis. Like these poor vulnerable people who really just wanted love. And, and yeah. it is interesting because all they did, they only met him a handful of times, but all he did was have these pictures on social media. It's scary, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah, oh, absolutely, it is. Uh, it really, really is. I mean, that I was, I was thinking as you were talking there about cars, because that cars is always a, a really interesting one, and and I think um, whether it's still the case, this is a little, this is a few years old now, but around seventy to seventy five percent of the cars that you see driving around are not owned by the people who drive them because they're owned by finance companies yes, yes. And, and 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 this is the thing right so the 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 cars that i see when i drop charlie off like, oh my gosh it's a brand new like maserati but by the way like it, it it just happens to be attached to like kind of a fancy school so that the parents use the same car park <laughs> that's why i see these and there's this one guy oh my gosh russell he drives i'm not bitter about money by the way i'm not i'm not i don't want this to come off bitter because i'm not but it is funny <laughs> He drives like a Tesla, you know, of those doors that go up, like oh yeah, like the yep. Batman kind of doors. And every morning, I've never, I've never also seen him with kids. So at this point, I'm thinking, do you even have kids that go to this school? <laughs> <laughs> but he, like, he literally just sits on the bonnet, and every morning he is talking about a feature of this car. And and you know, all these all these parents, it's like presenting this image, right? But effectively. Yep. They're leased or they're financed, yep. and I, I, I know what it's like to have a financed car, and I will not, I won't do it again, because I, I, I don't trust myself. I just don't. Yeah, it's. I, I remember the conversation with um, with my daughters when when they were kind of of that age where they were a little bit interested. You know why? <laughs> why are we not driving a new car, Dad? And uh, we we had that conversation, and I said, look, seventy seventy five percent of 
every single car that you see will not be owned by the person that drives it, but we own our car. Uh, and yeah, they, they were, they were fascinated with that. You know, it's something they hadn't ever considered. And, and again, I don't think, I don't think many of us consider stuff like that. Um, even houses and, and, you know, the, the, what sits behind a house, you know, in many cases is quite a substantial mortgage and, and, and having young people understand that is, I think it's really important because it, it, we need young people to be aspirational. We need young people to have high goals and to want to achieve what, whatever it is that they want to achieve. But I, th- I think there is an importance in being just a little bit realistic as well. I, I used to yeah. always, with these are sixth form students, um, I used to always run an exercise where I would I would get them to to pick the kind of house and the car and, and those kind of belongings that they expected themselves to have by the age of, I don't know, whether That's it's so thirty or forty, yeah. and nice. and you would you would get you would get these houses with pillars outside you'd get ferraris you know and then and and it was just that case of right and that's fine that's absolutely fine but now we need to go and have a look for the kind of jobs that are going to provide you with the salary to to afford that and that's where the realization kicked in that okay if i'm if i'm gonna have this house this car these belongings this lifestyle i am i'm gonna need to have a very, very, very uh, niche kind of job that is at the, the, the highest earning band. And, and it it's just injects that little bit of hard reality that makes aspirations um, more achievable aspirations than, than unrealistic aspirations. Yeah, you know, I did... I did a um, enterprise week with my year sixes and they teamed up with the year three class and... One of them asked me what I earned as a teacher. So to yep. understand, we did something similar. We were like, you know, what does it take to, you know, cost a business? And what, what what's the money that goes into that? And bless them, they thought I earned just under a million. Aww. I was like, that is adorable. <laughs> but if I did, don't you think? I mean, I feel like I'd be doing like a far better job because I, I have... Not that I didn't do the best job I could, but that is a nice salary for a teacher. It certainly, um, certainly is. Indeed. I, I also love when uh, when the very the very young ones, you know, talking talking sort of year year threes, year fours, um you think that a house costs a hundred pounds. It's um it's you know, it's so, the, the other it's extreme. So sweet, but it's also it is. It, it's also a bit mm, it's, it's a bit it's a bit concerning, isn't it? Because I mean, I remember saving up. Halifax used to give you when you opened like a, a kids account in the nineties. They they give you like a free little piggy bank, um, and I managed to save a hundred pound. But it took me months to do it. Months. It was all unchanged. I felt very sorry for Woolworths when <laughs> I went in on a, like a big toy splurge. But yeah, it was. Um, it's interesting because they don't. They a lot of children have probably never seen a hundred quid in cash. No, not I've never not seen at all. what it's like. Um, no. you, 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 you... So I was just, I was just. You made me think about um, saving there as well, because yeah, that's yeah. we we started this conversation uh, around the impact of cashless, and oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's another 
kind of implication, isn't it? Saving. I, I was a, I was a, a Griffin saver with Midland Bank, and I remember, uh, which is now HSBC, but mm-hmm. I remember saving my, uh, again, I'm going to give away my age, but pound notes. I used to have pound notes in my little saving pot that wait, I used to... Wait, what? Pound notes? Yeah, one pound notes. I don't remember that. What year did yeah. they stop being made? Oh goodness! Uh, you've put me in the spot now. I, I couldn't tell you without no, without having a, a, a Google. <laughs> uh, I was I was pretty young, but yeah, I had a I had a, a a money box full of one pound notes that I would sit and count, and then we'd take them down to to Midland Bank and um, and pay them in. But that's yeah, even that's going. I'm I'm guilty of this because we don't we don't give. I've got th- uh, three daughters, and and we don't give them physical pocket money anymore we, we we pay their pocket money directly into their account so they, they they don't get to see that they they don't do that saving thing of having all your coins and notes on the floor and putting it into piles which is which is also really really yeah. great learning um so we, we we need to we need to try and find ways of, of of getting the same level of learning out around that that feeling to save i mean it's it, it's a really great feeling to to have that money around you it gives you that sense of okay this is this is what i've got whereas i know for two of my daughters they, they haven't got um they haven't got apps for whatever reason they, they, they they've never downloaded them or they've they've change their phone and then they don't know the password so they can't get it up on the new one (laughs) so the only way that they know their bank balance unless they go to a cash machine which we're not near any um is they get a a paper statement come through the post once a month and that's the only way they know how much they have in their account and i'm pretty certain that's going to stop soon as well there there won't be uh paper statements anymore it's it'll all be become digital so they they have lost that um that ability to to just check in and 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 count the count the monies, check on their savings, have that feeling of what it what it looks like to have fifty quid, a hundred pounds, um, which is it, it's something that we need to to find a replacement for. Do you do you think there's any value in? I mean, let's take somebody who has just gone to university or somebody who is in a period of their life where they can now, they've now got like a little bit of money, right? So do you think there's any value in that person having complete control over that money? I don't mean like an adult earning money. Like, I don't mean that necessarily. I'm talking like much younger, like teenage or even, you know, early student years. Because my parents said to me from the outset, Amy, if you give us your card, we'll give you like 50, 50 quid a week out of your student loan or whatever. And I never did it because I was a bit like, no, you can't have it. It's mine. But now I kind of wish I did. Because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in that situation anymore, but it took me a long time, you know. Mm, that's a, it's an interesting one. I mean, in terms of, in terms of financial education... Um, and 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 just to get a little bit boring for a moment, the um, the OECD who have done, they've done some really 
huge research on financial literacy, they call it, across the world, um, loads of different countries. And, and what they found was that those young people that were given responsibility to manage their own money, they were far more likely to be financially capable. So I, I think if we if we can give, and probably younger than your than you are talking about, but if we if we can start young people, and and we probably are talking as 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 young as we possibly can, you know, maybe maybe it's five or six. If we can start giving them responsibilities with money, and that might start with um, giving them a budget to go out to the the shops and 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 buy the ingredients for tea and doing that together with a with a parent or carer um and building that up so that that young person has got that responsibility with money to 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 make their own choices with money and of course we do as parents and garden guardians we have to just you know guide those choices sometimes but to enable young people to make their own choices with money i think is is really important and and it it tees you up later on when maybe you are receiving more money um whether that's a student loan or whether that's your first job and you're, you're getting an income for the first time um managing that in in maybe a more appropriate way so i, I would always advocate for enabling young people to make real choices themselves with money as a learning process um and there are there are more um technical ways of enabling that you know there are products out there which allow you to 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 give a card to your child and allow that it allows them to spend but you have certain parental controls on it so that you know, they they can't go and spend it on anything and everything and you can put limits on it and you can with, withdraw those as the child gets older so there there are there are technical ways to do that but you can still do it in uh, the good old-fashioned cash in hand way too I think I like the cash in hand way I think that's what I would opt for just because I mean I I, I really want Charlie to have like a piggy bank and you know be able to count the money he finds around the house or whatever and I mean, you know, you find like pennies in your sofa or like, you know, there's like a 20p in the corner of a room somewhere. It's really random, but, you know, being able to collect that in, all right, he didn't earn it, but he can't really earn it. He's three years old. He causes more chaos than he prevents. So it's not like he's going to do some hoovering or walk the dog or anything. <laughs> so no. You just have to take no. what you can. But those, those are magic moments though, right? I, I, I put on a suit that I hadn't worn for two years the other day and I found £10 in my inside pocket. That's the best. It's I know. the best thing. <laughs> but like, wait, like, is it is it a £10 that you can swap in and get a new £10? Or is it Non, no, it was it, it, it was a you know it, it was a it was a new it's still one of the plastic ones so nice. it was uh, it was all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you can still exchange that money, but we found um, really randomly, you know, like little money bags, like literally, mm. like everyone used to have them around the house. And I don't think I've seen one since I worked in retail, but yeah, we found like a little bag of those with like about eight pound in. They were all old pounds. Ah, well, top tip for you. <laughs> top tip: you, when 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 they phase these um, coins and notes out, you you get a certain grace period where you can go to any high street bank and they'll change it. But after that, there is one way that you can change it up into modern 
whatever the replacement is and that I is going to the, the going to the bank of england in london um the act, like the actual the actual <laughs> the actual bank of england believe it or not although it's it's a huge huge place with loads of corridors and vaults under under the ground that are full of gold um if you if you go in the entrance and you turn right there's there's like a little cashier's desk and it just looks like a little bank branch and oh. they will change up um any any old currencies the yeah. joke's on them because next time I'm in London, because my sister lives in London, <laughs> my little my little baggie of eight pound. Yeah, <laughs> march in there. It, it indeed, indeed, but like just a scene, yeah, like they... a scene out of Mary Poppins where they <laughs> all the white old men are like, "Yes, you have to save it." <laughs> it's it's a bit like uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Harry Potter, the uh, the bank in Harry Potter. It's, oh, it looks <laughs> it looks it looks a wee bit like that. Well, I mean that it sounds amazing. I wonder if they gave tours of those vaults. I, I, maybe not because they're probably not the, privately not, owned. Not not the vaults, unfortunately. There is oh. a, there is a oh, advertising on behalf of the Bank of England here. There is a <laughs> uh, there is a pretty good museum at the Bank of England uh, where where they. Um, they've put on some really nice displays about the evolution of money and and it's um i know money comes across as dull gray boring sometimes which is why we we have to liven it up with our programs but they've done a really great job of livening it up and and showing how just how money has changed over hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of years no i mean i i I think that is cool i mean when when we when we think about like the evolution of money and you know when it's kind of gone through like different currencies and it was like oh we're joining the euro and then we didn't and then some people did and you know even now to to the the actual feel of our money um and and what it looks like and you know the evolution of cryptocurrency it makes you think about what is possible with it and it it, it is it is interesting because i mean not not to get like a bit abstract but i know a lot of people Lots of people say money makes the world go round, but in a lot of ways, it's only dictated by the value you place on yeah. it. If that makes sense. Like the art world, isn't it? Someone no, says this, think... uh, this piece of art is worth this. Yeah. Then I guess it is. It's. I mean, no. It's. It, it's fascinating, and it's. It's quite difficult to get your head round as well, yeah, right? Because because yeah. we all accept that a ten pound note is is worth ten pounds, and a fifty pound note is worth fifty pounds. But the reality is, what you're holding in your hand has an intrinsic value of pennies, if if that probably points something of a penny, because it's oh, yeah. just a bit of plastic. It's it's the only reason that currency works is that we all agree to the fact uh, that that ten pound yeah. note is worth ten pounds. And if you then, if you keep thinking like that, it becomes really quite scary. Yeah, it's like it's like I am being controlled, and I hate this. But no, yeah, yeah. Can like, we? Can let's get back to trading cows and conch shells. Uh, that that feels a lot more real. But it's the same principle, isn't it? It's we all these things have been traded in the past, and we've ended up going. Oh, it's not that practical to. Um, to split a conch shell up into to 50 different pieces so that that that's where that's our money has come challenging. from that's challenging for sure yeah. i mean even in a even in a school setting i don't want to be the ta who's having no. up for the activity <laughs> have, you, have you have you have you heard much about nfts no nfts yeah non-fungible so, oh so yes in, I, indeed I, I, and trading i've i've tried so many times to understand this and this is my understanding of it this is this is like weeks of me honestly listening to so much stuff 
and watching so much stuff. This is how I processed it. So it is a digital original of something like, let's say, Michael Jordan's first slam dunk, right? But you, so you own the the the, the digital picture of that. But then I can also just, you know, you can also just Google that and print it or save the file to your computer. Yeah, I I read so a I story. The value of it. I no, I, I, I read a story about this. Um about this this man in the Philippines, I think, who took a photo of himself sitting behind his desk <laughs> every day for 2 years. And then I think as a joke or just to see what might happen, he he turned them into these non-fungible tokens. I yeah, think that's the, it yeah. sounds like something you get in an arcade, doesn't it? It's, like it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like a terrible disease to me. Uh, <laughs> but he, someone ended up um, buying these things, and and then they got a value. And because there was a limited number, and and I know that was sort of six hundred of them or so. I I think now they're trading for over a thousand dollars per picture, and. It's become a, a tradable thing because it's a finite commodity. But I, I, I almost get that in a way because exactly that. It's a, it's a finite, but like, I don't know. The, the Michael Jordan thing, if we take that again, there's not, there's not a finite. I mean, okay, so the, 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 when that photograph was first taken, okay, that is the original. So that's that's... But then I can just also print that off because as soon as you print it, it's a print. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't understand how owning a digital copy of that is worth millions. Like, I just, I just cannot wrap my head around it. Like, it's basically expensive clip art in my, in my mind. <laughs> like, there was someone, wasn't there, in Japan? I think it was Japan, who basically, for every, every day for an entire year, painted... Or like did a little did a little picture, and because of that, sorry, Clifford is is deciding to make a bed under the desk, and because of that, it's same thing, you know. But but I all I almost get that because there's like I I I love art. Like I I've I've got like a couple of different pictures in my house where I paid like local artists to do like I don't know like a little picture of something like a an a scene round round where we live and I know that that's the original. But then yep. I just saw at the weekend this like one of the artists had actually basic like basically taken a picture of it and then made it into a print and was now selling it at like one of her like markets. So I was a bit like that's kind of annoying, but I still have the original so it's not it's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. I ju- I just don't get it. Like if if we're just saying like things that we can't actually hold but everybody else can see has this immense value, then I'm just like, well then I can say anything has a value. That that's mad. And 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 I suppose that's where the danger in in a lot of this, similar to crypto, is that it, what that means is there's there's a real volatility in that market. So whilst whilst things can gain value really quickly. They can they can also begin to lose value really quickly, which is yeah. And 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 there's no predicting that either. Uh, I, I think it's it, and that's what makes it more of a gamble. Is there's there, there isn't 
there isn't a way of forecasting it. There's there's no rhyme or reason as to why these things sometimes jump up and sometimes crash. And because of that, you know, if if you are putting money into anything like that, you've you've just got to accept that if you you could lose that money. So yeah. you, if 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 you decide to to go into it, go into it knowing that. Yeah, don't, don't don't put the life savings in there. Put put what you are willing to lose. And if you're not willing to lose anything, then it's not for you. No, just 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 enjoy it from a distance. Yeah. I mean, yep. I mean, I I I I I'm aware that we can get get quite lost in this, Russell, because I, I I'm I'm someone who will entertain any conspiracy theory. By the way, like <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything. Like I don't feel like the world is this like. Truman Show or anything I just <laughs> I just I just find it really interesting but I, I do I do want to talk a little bit about the work you've you've kind of done with Martin Lewis and and Money Heroes because this is something that I find incredibly amazing and it's something you can hold that has value so. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. So they're, they're, they're two separate things, just um, just to be clear on it. So the, the work with Martin Lewis, and um, Martin is a, he's a fantastic advocate of financial education. And um, with Martin's support, we created the first financial education textbook for secondary schools. Um, we started in England and we, we, we wrote it, we developed it. We then printed I think 340,000 copies and we sent 100 copies into every secondary school in England and then with again support from Martin and also the Money and Pension Service which is the UK um, arm's length body for financial well-being in the UK we um, we did exactly the same thing but tailored it for Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales and and the Welsh one was sent out um, September last year that was the last nation to be sent out so that that was about creating a resource that was usable by secondary schools to to help teach and deliver financial education but also maybe for young people as a reference guide to 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 use the textbook but at primary where we know it's so important that financial education begins early um, we've worked for a number of years now with HSBC UK to develop Money Heroes and Money Heroes is a, a primary program that just has a whole range of activities some books absolutely amazing books uh key stage one and key stage two um key stage one ones are ed and bunny books they're brilliant um some podcasts um so we've 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 got podcasts with a whole range of people including um some some former olympians um we've got games and then we've got a platform a digital platform that has a whole range of activities that both teachers and parents can do and the really for me the really cool thing about money heroes is what it's trying to do is it's trying to bring together the learning that goes on in the classroom which is it's kind of theoretical most of the time it's 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 really difficult to have real money experiences in a classroom um, especially in a primary school classroom um so it's combining what goes on in school with what goes on at home and that learning experience that young people get through the home so there's there's loads of stuff on the money heroes site for parents including the books you know you you, there's there's reading that goes on at home um but 
if we can combine those two things at home young people learn mainly through experiences uh, in school they're learning through 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 theoretical practice if we can combine those two things we've got a really powerful approach to young people developing their knowledge their skills their attitudes towards money so Money Heroes at Primary, um, the textbook at secondary, and there's lots of other things that we do in between. And there's loads of other organisations, all right? Let's let's just be really clear about this. Young Enterprise is not the only organisation involved in, in financial education space. Uh, the likes yeah. of Money Charity, My Bank, London Institute for Banking and Finance, yeah, these are all great organisations that are committed to financial education and can support in different ways. And, and you know, I... We, we certainly are not on our own and, and we're part of a group who who all look to support financial education in schools. Yeah, it's it's everybody fighting essentially for the same cause of bringing something that is not necessarily recognized by, you know, the the, the, the powers that be, in the, you know, in, in terms of we should have dedicated time on the timetable. But this is really what educators and parents and anything and anybody involved in in you know educating young people in any way it's a responsibility to make time for that like it's something that i found incredibly rewarding to deliver myself and it, you know it, you can see like the kids faces like light up because it's something that feels in their world it's something that you know feels connected and you know valuable you hear so many kids don't you say probably more in secondary actually why are we learning this you didn't even (laughs) have to have an explanation for this like it's so so important and I think you only have to I don't think you have to look very far to find that out really what what like what what's on the horizon for you guys at Young Enterprise like is there anything exciting that we should look out for oh good question (laughs) um so I I think that yeah there, there most certainly are um to your first point around that making learning real, because I think that's a real challenge in our yeah, schools is, right yeah. now. And, and I think young people, to your point, um, asking, well, when am I ever going to need to know this? Yeah. I mean, I, I got that daily as a science teacher. <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah. yeah that, we, that, is, that is hard, isn't it? It, it is. When, you, when you're trying to <laughs> think up, what, why are you ever going to need to know how a blast furnace works? Um, it's quite difficult. You, you give a professional answer, but the reality is that we... We struggle sometimes to make what we're teaching real and relevant. And, and I think there needs to be more of a focus on uh, applying learning. So, so yes, of course, we need to teach the learning. But how then do we, how do we enable young people to use that in a real life relevant context? And so they can see the value of that learning. So there's a, there's a kind of policy piece that Young Enterprise is working on at the moment around that and and trying to encourage government really to 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 increase the focus of applied learning within schools and to enable young people to have more access to real and relevant opportunities to to apply with their learning in terms of um stuff that people can get involved with uh with young enterprise i mean one of the the very very latest things is um, we've we've created a, a, an e-learning course, which is My Money Matters, okay. uh, and that that e-learning course it's for secondary, um, so it's mainly aimed at Key Stage Four students. Um, but that that is 
it, it takes quite a lot of the content from the textbook, but turns it into a self-led e-learning yeah. course. So it's it's accessing that learning in a very, very different way. You know, it's interactive. It's it's not lots of copy. There's videos. It, it's it's that digital way in which young people like to consume stuff. So that's, that's brand new. Uh, that is being been released next week so uh, we're, oh, we're slightly so ahead of the curve on this oh. <laughs> um and then i i suppose um there's always always new things going on within money heroes um so it's it's not a case of we've developed that program and the program's done the program will never be done because there are so many exciting new things to to, to look at so i would i would encourage anybody to go to there and just see what what is coming up that's new um there are always four or five things that we try and do every single year to to really you know liven up that that program and then in a year's time um and that's quite scary that is a year's time <laughs> our our flagship program if you like at young enterprise is one called company program where we um we enable young people to start up and manage their own enterprise and and it's less about the business skills it's more about the skills the skills and mindsets that young people develop as they go through that process it's um it is applied learning in action it's using your maths and your english and your science to yeah. come come together form a product and 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 trade that product that program we're giving a a real a huge refresh to and we're going to bring it into the 21st century um we're going to modernize it um and and present it back to young people in the way that they want to to engage in a in a program so from september 2023 that'll be uh, the big new shiny program and young enterprise will be 60 years old in 2023 as well so it'll oh my it'll gosh. It'll uh, go alongside our 60th birthday. Ooh, Indeed, really exciting. exciting. You have a big party. Yeah. yeah, we will. There'll be lots of things, lots of things going on during 2023. Um, we've That company program we've been running since 1963. So we're going to see if we can find people that had participated in company program every single year since 1963. So uh, if there's anyone listening who was, uh, then, you know, please do get in touch. Yeah, I was going to say, do you even know where to start with that? That's a hard one, isn't it? Of, of the 60 years, I think we've, we've got um, individuals who are involved in, in about 40% of them so far. So we've, we've got a bit of a nice. campaign going at the moment to try oh, and yeah. find those missing years. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It'd be great if we could get anywhere near the... Uh, one representative from each year yeah would be amazing but uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we'll see how far we can get yeah fit fit fingers there fingers crossed for you russell um Indeed. On that one but it's awesome to have you on the show like it's so so um interesting just to hear your take on everything it's clearly something that is your passion and what a great thing to be able to do something that you love we take that for granted sometimes but it's it's amazing because when people do stuff they love great things happen so it's great yeah I, I feel very privileged being able to do something i love uh, oh, i know that's yeah. not the case for everybody no no it's not but um yeah thank you so much for sharing everything on on the show so many interesting points so like i can't wait to to listen to this back 
Oh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Honestly, it means the world that you are tuning into Not Another Education podcast every single week. Don't forget to hit follow on Spotify and all the other relevant channels. And why not give us a cheeky little rating on Apple? I do like five stars. See you next time. Bye.